I want to leap over buildings, want to fly over the shores, save the people from the villains, catch the crooks who rob the stores, write my name upon the sky, and when you call me, I'll be there, faster than a lightning flash. Rushing through the cool night air. Oh, oh, oh. So start ignition, count to zero. I just wanna be a superhero. Episode 245 for September 2013. Welcome, gang. We're starting this episode off with uh, Donovan reviewing Superior Spider-Man number 15. This issue starts off uh, at a small fix-it shop where we see the terrible tinkerer uh, uh, doing stuff. I guess tinkering when uh, Hobgoblin says, dude, uh, Spider-Man came in and, like, you know, spanked all of us and the Kingpin's dead. So let that sink in for a second. I need more money. I need more tech. I need more weapons. And he kind of scrambles out. And uh, Tinkerer says, I assume you heard all that. Tiberius Stowe. And, like, Tiberius comes, you know, comes up very unassuming. He says, yeah, thanks for letting me stay here for a while. So that was kind of interesting. But then when the door closes, he sits in and monologues in his brain, which is actually, like, like a welcome relief compared to the rest of the issue. Uh, about how uh, all of his enemies will pay, uh, you know, Max Modell, the Kingpin, Hobgoblin, and of course, Spider-Man. You met with the wrong nerd! He says to absolutely no one in particular. So <laughs> The wrong nerd. In Hell's Kitchen, they slot mess with this wrong nerd. In Hell's Kitchen, uh, we see Spider-Man, you know, like, like saying, hey, you losers, do what I tell you to because I'm the superior Spider-Man. Well, Carly Cooper and Watsnavi go... Yeah, this this sure happened. You killed so many people, you know, like flagrantly in front of you know the public. It's a good thing we weren't going to have a have a trial anymore. Derp, 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 derp. So after that, uh, Watsonabi says, "I'm going to investigate this further," and that's an interesting, uh, uh, you know, peek into what might be coming up for her. Until she screams out loud, "As the wraith!" So in the next image, we see uh, basically uh, Phil having money problems and Kingsley saying that he needs to collect money, and so he's basically going to start robbing a lot of banks. And he's escaping Spider-Man's Spider-Boss because of uh, the, goblin, the Green Goblin's interference. So Spock-Octopus is getting annoyed, so he uh, rounds up his henchman and says, Minions! You must find Hobgoblin! No one eats until they do! So uh, like Chris says in his reviews, he's kind of approaching the superhero life in a supervillain fashion. We see a scene of, of Aunt May, Mary Jane, and Max Modell all comment out loud, two out of thirds of them in no one particular, about Peter Parker's absence. And then we see uh, Spock say, well, being Peter is hard because, you know, I have to divide my attention so much. Maybe I should never be Peter at all until he gets a call from uh, Anna Maria because he is going to be told that the test he took that he passed is going to be received full credit, as though that weren't, you know, assumed already. So after that, he goes in um, to Spider. At, he goes as Spider-Man to hunt down the Hobgoblin, which his cell phone has picked up, and he kicks him onto a roof, which is, a, I think, conveniently the uh, 
the Daily Bugle. So Hot Goblin chases back into Phil and runs inside. So Peter Peter scratched him with one of his um, Peter scratched him with one of his nanobots and can hear some audio. He hears Ben and Robbie refer to him as Phil Yurk. So he uh, he goes on his um, you know giant uh, internet TV thing and says, "Everyone, look out for the Hobgoblin, aka Phil Yurk." And Phil's inside the, hob- the, the inside the Daily Beagle as everyone realizes who he is. He says, "Oh man!" So um, <laughs> to be continued there. Yep. Uh, great, sir. Uh, I, I went from a B when a B minus when I first read it. So I went to a C plus on the review, and I'm going down to a C because this man. this whole thing with him doing whatever he wants, i.e., killing people and getting away with it, has as it's just it, it pisses me off. And I, I, I swear I'm not being, like, you know, overly sensitive as a comic fan saying, well, that's not realistic. I mean, you can't do that. Like, uh, he, I, I could not believe I read what Otsunabe say, well, at least we weren't going to have a trial. Okay, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go down to New York City. I'm going to, you know, uh, get, a, get, get my um, police badge from the NYPD. I'm going to go directly to Harlem and shoot up every, you know, flop house and gangbanger I see and says, it's okay, I'm a cop. You can, you cannot kill people and you know and just get away with it. I know there are villains. I know I don't care about them, and I'm not arguing this from a moral perspective. You legitimately can't do that. You legitimately can't kill hundreds of people in front of everyone and just get away with it because you could. I I, I hate that so much, and it, it doesn't make it a terrible issue, but it brings it down a whole lot. This this could have been like a B plus or even an A minus, but that was so stupid that the more and more I thought about it, the I I really started getting angry. Um, I, I might be the only person on the planet who thinks that, but whatever. It, it just is stupid, and it should not have. This should honestly be the point where Mary Jane, who is getting dumber by the issue, should say, <laughs> "Okay, I've, I've noticed Peter making new technology. He's been telling me about his new job in technology, and how he's being a better Spider-Man." And then he starts changing his costume, stops stops answering my calls, ignores me, and starts killing people in public. Maybe something's wrong. Oh no no no! Uh. He's, he's he's not calling me about my club in the fire yet. Oh. That, <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, any pros from the panel? Oh, I have a pro though. I, mean, I, I did like the Hobgoblin scene at the end and the art. Yeah, yeah, that that was cool. There were some nice homages to the classic issues, like when the Green Goblin is getting dressed. It's like um his uh, dressing chamber in the Ditko issues, where he has that like you know, uh, it's it's like a safe or something that he opens up and it covers his face. And um, when when uh, Peter Puss is on the wall of presumably the Daily Bugle building. Well, the preview for the next issue has me questioning it. And he's listening to um, the Hobgoblin see right in me and says, Phil Yurik, huh, okay. It reminded me of uh, the very first Ramita issue where it's the Green Goblin right outside the Daily Bugle with a listening device, and that's how he figures out that Spider-Man's Peter Parker. Uh, yep. Any other pros or cons? What do we like? I will just say overall, I did find this to be an enjoyable story. Um, it's kind of hard to pick out specific aspects of it, but I I just say that I, I was engaged in Phil's plight, and I I sort of wanted to know what really wanted to know what happened next at the the last page where Phil got revealed and he's surrounded by people and um, they're all scared of him, and um, it's just an energy to the story that is moving pretty well. So I, I'm quite quite satisfied with it, I think. I agree with all of Don's points, but I guess I don't weigh them as heavily against it. Right. Uh, Do we go around for grades yet on this one? No. No. 
Okay. Uh, JR grade? C+. Plus. And uh, Chris? B-. minus. Okay. And Bertoni? A-. minus. This was one of the more fun I've had reading Superior in a while, and it has my favorite cliffhanger for an issue yet. I, I'll give you that. JR, talk B- about it. Yeah, Jerry, what's your thoughts on this issue? Uh, well, you know, um, <laughs> I I kind of like the way Chris uh, said that uh, he heard what Don said, and then but basically I ignored it and like the issue anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I I have to almost kind of uh, take that approach. Uh, I really like these last three issues um, because I. I I, I don't know. I, again, I, I just like, I mean, because this Spider-Man, even though he's the bad Spider-Man, he's at, he, you know, he really is out there doing something and taking the offensive. Whereas, you know, that and that's something you've always wondered what's wrong with Peter Parker, why he's always on the defensive. You know, he's always reacting. He's never taking action or going on the offense. He always waits for somebody to do something bad, then he takes action. So, I mean, and I've liked the, the unbridled action, and I like the, you know, and I really, I've liked the absurd, over-the-top nature of it. It just really, there, there's just something about it. I mean, I, I'm not taking it too seriously. Um, it, you know, I'm, I'm not taking it too literally. Uh, I'm just enjoying the loud slam-bang action, although I have to admit the thing with Mary Mary Jane shouldn't if Mary Jane is going to continue to be this stupid she shouldn't even be in the issues I mean why is why is Carly not talking to her I mean she know Mary Jane knows Spider-Man ostensibly better than any other person Carly's not talking to her Carly's talking to Captain Watanabe that doesn't make any sense um, no, it, it helps Slot with his plot. Well, that's why you know again. That's, yeah. Again, that and that's the thing with Slot's writing. I mean, sometimes Slot is really on his game, and that's why I was saying earlier that I don't. When I was asked, you know, do I think it's Norman? And I said I really don't know because I don't trust Slot the way he handles his mysteries. Is that he will just blatantly ignore stuff if it gets in the way of his story, um, mm-hmm. and he won't bother to come up with an explanation for it. You know, so. Those things really bother me. Uh, that that kind of does, and and of course Ramos' art. I mean, you know, that's one reason I've downgraded both these issues because I would have given the previous one an A if not for the Ramos art. I mean, come on, look at this one picture of Peter where where he's walking out of the school with uh, the the rather petite Anna Maria Marconi, and she hands him his cell phone back, and he's looking at it, and that goofy ass face he's making with the wide open yeah. eyes. I mean, it's like it's almost like Ben Stiller being Spider Man or something. But it just, it, I mean, tell me what he's doing there. Why is he smiling and smirking? It's almost like he's just done something perverted. Uh, it's it's. I, I, really I think a, he's I think he's trying to hide his anger at her for like hiding his phone. <laughs> what the, it, yeah, but the thing, okay, yeah, but it's Ramos. Who can really tell? You know, I mean, the guy who draws who draws people to look like simians. You know, so that that's the kind of thing. I just don't like this art. So, yeah. All right, uh, time for our segments. Uh, we're going back to August of two thousand. Jr. For uh, this month in Spider history, which the fans love, as we've witnessed uh, through multiple mul- callers. Right. Well, they're going to be good this one because this is going to be a record short one for one. Because okay, <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man Volume Two Number Twenty came out, or if you're still counting, issue four sixty one, called the setup. So set us up, Jared. What happened in this one? Well, let me give you the setup. Okay, first of all, last night it's eleven o'clock Eastern Standard Time. 
in mm-hmm. my neck of the woods. And I'm winding down for the evening. I'm yawning. I'm on the computer doing a couple of things. And all of a sudden, my cell phone goes off, you know? And it's not, hey, pal, how you doing, or any kind of preface like that. You know, <laughs> it's like the, the thing I get, what year in spider history? And that's what, what year in spider history? And it's like, wait a minute, no hi, no hello, no, I apologize because I'm probably calling late because you're an old man and you're probably getting ready to go to bed. It's like, you know, I feel like I'm talking to my wife, and when she calls, it's like, what, this couldn't have waited? You know, so it's like, what, this couldn't have waited? Wow. <laughs> 9.02 Central Time is when I texted you, it looks like. Yeah. Sorry. So how are you, how are you doing, Jar? <laughs> so anyway, okay, yeah, 10 o'clock, hey, maybe I was wrong, but still, 10 o'clock, I'm still getting ready to go to bed. Anyway, what year inspire history? So, and I was like, okay, 2000, I think, short, quick answer that will get him off my tail. Okay, okay, check the admin thread. I also want you to take an issue to review. It's like, wait a minute, you know? So, anyway. You've been MIA for a week, I haven't heard from you. Well, I know, I keep a low profile. I mean, I, 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 I mean, come on, you know, when you got, I mean, I figured that uh, I, blo- I burnt, burn all my bridges and wear out my welcome when I do these shows. I don't figure anybody wants to hear from me in the interim. Anyway, okay, 2000. All right. Well, the re- one reason I picked this was because um, uh, I look back in all of the spider histories we've done, and we've never done one from the year 2000. Really? Really. Uh, and uh, we have a common villain in this issue from, you know, from the, the regular uh, stories we've been talking about. Uh, Spencer Smythe. What? You're going to Big Lots. Why? Oh, 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 you scared me. Don't come up behind me when I'm podcasting again. <laughs> was it the missus, or who was that? That's, that's, no, it's Rachel. It's my daughter. Oh, okay. Gotcha. All right. The daughter of JR. Now I'm off my track. You're, we've never done a spider history in 2000. I know, I know. She just came right behind me, and she, she just, like, you know, she interrupted everything. You know, she had no oh. respect for me. I mean, so it's true. <laughs> Don't you remember how Morbius almost killed me? <laughs> anyway, this issue, this this month, we have the 100-page monster, okay? Yeah. You know, which is actually one of Marvel's good ideas. It was. Because unlike, you know, in later years where they give you eight worthless pages of bullshit and they charge you an extra dollar for it and they expect you to be grateful, um, you know, this actually they gave you the current story and then they gave you three backup stories which were all reprints which were actually all relevant to the current story that they're telling. So anyway, so this is a Spencer Smythe story. The story starts out where Smythe is uh, in Jonah's office, you know, threatening him and conjoling him because Jonah has Spider-Man's costume. Because as you remember, this is the Mackie Byrne reboot era where we had, where Bob Harris dictated that Mary Jane get killed off. And so now Mary Jane gets killed off. She gets blown up in an airplane. And then, you know, and, and then instead of, you know, Peter Parker saying, oh, man, you know, I'm down on my luck. You know, I need to go find my friends. And rather than Matt Bardock said, hey, Pete, you need a hand. Or rather than Felicia Hardy said, hey, Pete, you need a hand. You know, Peter says, you know what? I'm just going to go and be homeless. You know, I'm not even <laughs> 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 oh, 
laughed at this one, and you didn't laugh at like my Titanic joke from a few months ago, and everything like. And I, sorry, I don't want you guys to laugh at. Anyway, I'm homeless. <laughs> no, that's really what happens. I mean, you know, I know, no, that's why it's so damn funny. Yeah. Even though I, even though I put this absurd twist on it, really, it's it's about what happened. I mean, I rather than these friends that he supposedly has helping him or him reaching out, he just says, "Well, I'm going to go get a job in a restaurant where the only food I have is the scraps the manager lets me eat." And rather than actually go to Aunt May's house and sleep there, I think I'll sleep on the street, which is what he does. He sleeps on yeah. the street, and then while he's asleep, some kid steals his costume. Okay, now remember, this is a guy whose spider sense works while he's still sleeping. Okay, so anyway, some teenage kid comes and steals his costume while he's asleep. Spider-Man wakes up, oh, somebody stole my costume. Wah, wah. Okay, anyway, so the kid sells it to J. Jonah Jameson, and because Spencer Smythe is blackmailing Jonah. Oh, wait a minute, that's right. Jonah never gives in the blackmail. Anyway. Alistair, Alistair Smythe, Spencer Smythe's dead. Oh, nice. I, I, I got Spencer on, on the brain. Hey, boy, bring me more scotch. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, forget it. I'd rather be homeless. <laughs> And, and, and so Alistair Smythe, okay, bring, yes. I mean, you know, oh, Alistair Smythe's mad at Jonah because, oh, guess what, because Jonah funded all those experiments and my dad got radiation poisoned and he died. It wasn't because my dad was a friggin' obsessed lunatic to begin with, you know, it's because Jonah paid him, uh, so it's Jonah's fault, not my crazy old man's fault. Okay, yeah, I've hundred, I hear that all the time from the Democrats. But anyway, you know, <laughs> wow. all, all the defense attorneys <laughs> and their limp-wristed, bleeding-heart liberal lawyers. But anyway, so, okay, so. <laughs> he needs more cake. Good God, man. Jarrett's just going to explode at the end of the segment. <laughs> so, poof, 15th anniversary show, Jarrett's dead. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was about to say, I'm going ex- to explode like a guy who was sitting down in the Kingpin's lair eating chicken wings and playing video games before the Kingpin game had broken. Um, okay, so, Alistair Smythe, not Spencer, yeah. Alistair. Alistair Smythe. It wants Jonah to lure Spider-Man to the Daily Bugle with his big headline, ha-ha, I've got your costume and your gadgets, and we're going to figure out all your secrets. And Spider-Man's going to walk into this trap. How friggin' ingenious. You know, like father, like son. You're both intellectual giants. Anyway, so... Really, that's basically what happens. Spider-Man then goes to the Daily Bugle, gets in a fight, and the issue ends with one of Smythe's robot spiders uh, doing a facehugger impersonation from Alien on John Hurt's face, you know, and the issue ends. Um, yeah. You know, because... All, all, 100 pages for two ninety nine. also, yeah. if you look at the cover price. And, and, yeah. in, in, other, in other words, what? You weren't doing a very good job, JR, so I'm going to completely change the subject and move on to the price of the... Uh, you oh. know, <laughs> No, I was adding com- content to you. I'm, I'm just I'm like you did the last time where you said, hey, JR, I'm helping you out. And I said, oh, great, yeah, thanks for the assist. You're spunky. Peter starts rooming with, uh, with uh, Robbie, Randy Robertson, Robbie's son. You know, Robbie, uh, Randy, who's the great guy who later uh, suggests that they sell Mary Jane stuff on eBay. Remember? You know, such a good friend that he was. Anyway, so anyway, the, the art is absolutely atrocious. I mean, if you go through this, this is hor- you talk. I mean, this who's makes, doing this? Eric Larson. Oh man, this makes Ramos look good. Okay, this was Eric Larson, and you know what? I should have pot. You know, I don't have anything personally against Ramos. I just don't like his style. But anyway, Eric Larson is awful, and the reason he's awful is he later admitted he hated this story. 
He basically admitted, and I tried to find it where he said it, because I think it was Comic Book Resources or something. I Googled it, and I could not find it. But I remember reading reading it, too, yeah. He basically phoned it in because he thought these stories were crap. And he basically (laughs) said, I don't understand. And he mentioned Senator Ward, who also makes appearance in this issue, by the way. Um, Senator Ward, you know, pledges his support to Senator Robert Kelly of X-Men fame, you know, and (laughs) Um, then we see that, and then we see Senator Ward has this really, you know, his hand uh, starts turning red because he's really got this alien pathogen or whatever. But Larson said he couldn't understand how anybody could like that Senator Ward crap, and he was right. So anyway, it's it's bad story, bad art. Hey, it's the Ma- Mackie Byrne reboot. What else can you expect? <laughs> and also this month we had what else came out this month? I've lost my window. Hold on. Um, <coughs> well, we had, about, we had Peter Parker Spider Man number twenty. Uh, in fact, this was uh, Jr. This was Paul Jenkins for he wasn't. Well, yes, it was Brad actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we had we had endured uh, we had endured like nineteen issues of Howard Mackie's fumbling along, and uh, finally. Um, uh, I think it was Ralph Macchio at this time, rather than Joe Casada, who brought in uh, who brought in Paul Jenkins. But okay, anyway, Jr. This story says the best medicine. Uh, uh, writer Paul Jenkins, penciler Mark, Mark Buckingham. Uh, uh, was he related to the uh, Lindsay, the guy who plays guitar for Fleetwood Mac? I don't know. Get me more scotch. I'm going to review another Spider title. You damn Missourians. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the Missouri. Yeah, yeah. oh, hey, Brad, did you, did you interview the guy who dressed the rodeo clown who dressed up as Barack Obama in the uh, in the rodeo? I did, I did not. Oh, that was not. He's probably he's probably out there having some drinks with Senator Aiken over uh, Mel Carthan's grave. But anyway, mercy. mercy. Okay, it's, it's, like one, J- it's like Jr. and Brad switch. I want to go back to, to Zach's question and cha- about my favorite podcast memory and change my answer <laughs> to the just now us fighting. Mommy and Daddy are fighting. <laughs> Oh. You know, it would go ahead. My, it was my damn daughter's fault. She came in. I was just so calm and cool and collected, oh, and then she unnerved me. Anyway, so anyway, this this actually this is this is a significant story because it is Paul Jenkins' first story. How, however, unfortunately, after we after two or three years of Paul Jenkins. Looking back, this is a story he actually went to the well with more than once. It's another one of these one-part, you know, Peter reflects on Uncle Ben tales. Uh, The first time it was unique. The second time it was still good. The third and fourth time, it's like, Paul, I like you, but you really need to find another horse to ride on. But this story basically is Peter is sitting in front of Ben's grave. Well, at least he's not on the bridge. He's sitting in front of Ben's grave, and he's feeling sorry for himself, and he's reflecting back about why he does goofy things and why he says silly things to Spider-Man, and it all goes back to Ben Parker and his goofball sense of humor. And it is a rather amusing story. He remembers how, you know, he and, he and Ben would play pranks on each other and how, you know, he put something, a whoopee cushion under, Aunt, you know, in a chair and Aunt May sat on it, and, you know, and farted and he and Ben laughed hysterically, <laughs> you know, because that's, that's just kind of the really stupid thing, you know, you do when you're young and you think is funny. Um, it's a it's a fairly cute story. It's it's a little bit maudlin and um, you know one of those self pitying things. But uh, it was Jenkins' first story. Um, it's okay, you know. But, with him uh, being like, trying to be a cinema comedian. What's that? That was in a later issue. Yeah, where okay, he, yeah. he tries to actually do stand up and he bombs. <laughs> I think that one has has Human Torch on the cover. <clears throat> Is that the one? Yeah, that 
that was a good one. I like that one. So I mean, it's 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 typical Paul Jenkins, really. I mean, it's it was Paul- it was a not it was nice to get uh, something a different take on Spider-Man since we'd had Mackie so long in the reboot. Yeah, we've had it was like two years before. Typical Paul Jenkins is, is better than a lot of things. It, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Also, we only had one more Spider issue come out this month, Jr. Death and Destiny number one. Yeah, that's one reason why I didn't pick the uh, any of your others because, like, I think what night one of them was in the 1990s. It was a clone saga. It was like, oh yeah. God, I'm not ready for this one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Death and Destiny. Number one, um, this is actually a miniseries that we have talked about quite often uh, because yeah. I have typically considered it one of the best Spider-Man miniseries ever. Um, and like anything else, you know, probably someone who comes in and reads it cold probably thinks, oh, gee, it wasn't that great. I'd rather read Power and Responsibility with a 15-year-old Spider-Man, you know, getting all horny over a middle-aged, you know, hag. Um, <laughs> but... Um, this was actually a three-parter. It's written and drawn both by Lee Weeks, and Lee Weeks is one of my favorite Spider-Man artists. Uh, this was originally supposed to be in Web Spinners, and Web Spinners by this time had met an untimely fate. It got canceled because <laughs> nobody wanted to read it. Uh, so then this wound up in a miniseries by itself. And basically, <laughs> Sorry. And basically what it does is it, is it takes place... Right after Captain Stacy's death, it's one of those untold story type things, um, and it takes place like after Spider-Man uh, Amazing ninety and probably between you know ninety one ninety two, and Spider-Man is hunting Doctor Octopus because Doc Ock has, as we all know from Amazing ninety, Spider-Man used um, uh, doctored webbing to interfere with Doc's. Uh, Telepathy with his tentacles. Oh, I heard Brad typing. Is he saying, uh, hurry it up, JR? Uh, no, not yet. Uh, no, I'm, I'm actually looking for the Eric Larson quote as you're talking. Yeah. I'm trying to find the quote for you. I hope you do. I tried to find that because uh, he really did admit that he, you know, he hated the story. But anyway, Spider-Man's uh, going throughout the underworld. He's trying to find Dr. Octopus because Doc Doc got away after smashing the chimney that killed Captain Stacy. And so he's, you know, making mincemeat out of the underworld. And uh, he's not getting anywhere. And, you know, Jonah is really, you know, upset. Peter tries to sell, you know, Jonah pictures of uh, Spider-Man. And Jonah doesn't really want to have anything to do with Peter or Spider-Man right now. Because, of course, everyone foolishly believes Spider-Man had something to do with this. Even though everybody saw Dr. Octopus on the top of that tenement, saw Dr. Octopus's tentacles flailing flailing around, saw him smash the chimney, but it was still all Spider-Man's fault. Then anyway, so Gwen won't talk to Peter. Peter won't talk to Gwen. Um, Spider-Man goes and beats up some more goons and bad guys. Captain Stacy, they have Captain Stacy's funeral. And Spider, and then Peter finally is, you know, comes to the conclusion there's nobody he can talk to, and so he calls Professor Warren because earlier Professor Warren is in the story saying, "Boy, Peter, you're missing class. You know, is anything wrong?" Peter says, "Man, I need a few days off." You know, Warren says, "Fine, take my card. Call me if you need any help." And Peter's kind of at the end of his rope, and he calls Warren and says, Professor, can we talk? And that's kind of the end of this issue. Yeah. I'm not really doing it any justice, though. I mean, it really is. It's it, good. It's it, real good. It's, it's a good it's, – it's, you have to read it. I mean, it's, it's, it's really good street-level Spider-Man. 
mm-hmm. uh, because you know right now I mean Doc appears in flashbacks, but you know he's he's just going around New York City underbelly, beating up thugs and punks, and people are kind of reacting to this, you know, and it's just a really it's got. This, this, it has a really good atmosphere. It's kind of hard to describe, but it just has a really good atmosphere. It's a really interesting story that unfolds slowly, uh, but it's just really rich in both continuity, history, and presenting a new spin on an old story. So, uh, really, this still is, and this, this I, I mean, I still, even rereading it all these years later, still think it's one of the best uh, Spider-Man miniseries um, of all time, which unfortunately is not saying much because 90% yeah. of them are crap. If you like Lee Weeks, currently you can go down to your local shop and pick up the book that's coming out uh, right now, Daredevil Dark Knights. Oh, yeah, I read that. Lee Weeks is writing and drawing like he did with this miniseries, and it's really good. So if you want to check that out, JR. I know yeah. you don't buy much Lee, besides uh, Spider-Man, Weeks. but if you like Lee Weeks, he's good. Weeks uh, actually personally wrote me an email uh, several years ago when he, uh, I guess, really? well, someone had pointed him to my uh, top ten Spider-Man stories list, apparently, because mm-hmm. Death and Destiny's yeah. on there. Um, I think Death and De- no, it wasn't on that list, but it was on like the um, uh, number top Spider-Man story of the year for 2000. And, he, mm. you know, he wrote back and told me that he appreciated that. So well, that's I, thought really that was, nice. I thought that was classy. He's- Seems like a nice guy. All right, good month, Jr. Bad month. Uh, both good and bad. I mean, we had yeah. the good in Death and Destiny. We had the bad in the Mackie. Uh, we were still doing the the Mackie Burn stories in. Although I think Burn was done co-plotting by this time. And then we kind of had in the middle. We had Jenkins uh, dabbling uh, into Spider-Man and starting to uh, to get involved in that on his way to actually telling some excellent stories. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, our other segment, Bertoni's Bios. Who are we tackling this month, sir? Tackling Daniel Kingsley, or in a segment I like to call, Come on, guys, he has a twin brother, um, and why I'm disputing that statement in its entirety. Um, <laughs> okay. Daniel Kingsley is the twin brother of the original Hobgoblin, Roderick Kingsley. Um, his first like official appearance is in the first um, Hobgoblin Lives issue in the 90s. But it's been since stated by Roger Stern and, you know, Retcon that he was actually masquerading as Roderick, you know, as as early on as, you know, Roderick's early appearances. And the thing is, Roderick is the more assertive person and Daniel is the more uh, cowardly one. So if you're reading like an old issue and uh, there's a Kingsley saying God with a G-H-O-D and he's acting more cowardly, then that's supposed to be Daniel. Or Roderick. And uh, the seeds were apparently planted in, I think it's, is it 250? Uh, the, the, one of the issues of the it's of that, like, three-part, you know, Hobgoblin is blackmailing everyone. I have it right in front of me. Okay, sure. yeah, where, where Kingsley's pacing and says, you know, like, of all the times for my brother to be out of town. Yes. Which, uh, so, so Roger Stern says that that was there on purpose to set up the twin brother thing, but he was never able to play off of that because he left the books beforehand. And then Roger Kingsley, people forget, Roger Kingsley was actually killed off um, after the Hobgoblin story wrapped up in Web of Spider-Man. Um, oh, I forget what number it is, but it's it's a two-part storyline detailing, like, the retcon origins of the Hobgoblin. Um, the Rose's goons, like, come in, and they uh, try to shoot Chris Keating, and they shoot uh, a Kingsley, who it's later turned out to be Daniel Kingsley, we find out. Uh, they shoot him in the arm, but, like, he's on the floor, and there's a gun pointed to his head. So you assume that this guy's getting executed gangland style, because, and he never appeared again after that for 
a long time, and they did like something like Spider-Man Saga, which recaps all the Spider-Man books, and it says, you know, Roger Kingsley was killed by the Rose's men then. So, but then Roger Stern came back. He wanted to do his Hobgoblin story right. So um, he brought Kingsley back um, in a Spider-Man Unlimited issue and then just said that he'd been out of the country for a while. And then basically retcon that when um, a Kingsley got shot, it wasn't a fatal wound. So you see Daniel Kingsley and Roger Kingsley in the Hobgoblin Lib series, and you get the dynamic of their relationship that Daniel Kingsley does the day-to-day business stuff while Roderick is, you know, doing the behind-the-scenes things. Did he mention his first appearance? No. <laughs> you always do that. <laughs> you always do that when you. I don't want you to read it on air. Well, did you mention your, did you mention the first appearance of him? Well, we don't know his. I mean, Hobgoblin lives okay. number one technically because it. it I was talking about the first well, issue. There, there's no he, way that I'd be able to answer that question in the chat window while I'm while I'm doing a speech. So like, <laughs> I, I, I had to address it this way. Otherwise, it would have been. <laughs> how would I have typed in the middle of a Bertoni's bios? No, no, I was asking the others, but go ahead. Oh, no okay, 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 okay. I, I, I thought you were asking me, or I would have ignored. No, no, I uh, got it. So we, um, and and by the way, the other distinguishing appearance between them is Daniel is bald and Roderick has hair, and when uh, Daniel masquerades as Roderick, he wears a wig, and uh, apparently there's one point in the issue where like Roderick masquerades as Daniel and wears like a bald cap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. At the, uh, Daniel is not all about what Roderick's doing. Roderick dresses up as the hobgoblin, threatens him. He does not like the criminal activities. And eventually, um, you know, he, he pulls a gun on Roderick when he's about to kill Betty Brandt and, you know, tells him that he's got to stop this stuff. Spider-Man shows up, fights the hobgoblin, and unmasks him, while Betty Brandt unmasks uh, Daniel via taking off of his wig. Uh, Daniel confesses to everything. Help takes his brother down. So... This is what we're establishing about Daniel Kingsley. He is cowardly. He does not like criminal activities. He does not like his brother being the hobgoblin. Remember those facts. He's a butch. Yeah. (laughs) Remember that, because that's going to become important. So the next time you see him, it's in um, Goblins at the Gate, which is uh, Roger Stern and Glenn Greenberg's... uh, It was their little wrap-up of the Goblin storylines before the reboots. And... uh, Daniel Kingsley is going to testify against Roderick, and he's in, like, the Witness Protection Program or something. And there's some stuff going on with Norman and Roderick that's too detailed to get into here. Um, JR's written about it, and he's talked about it on the show. So, Roderick Kingsley, who hates his brother and doesn't trust him, remember that. Roderick hates his brother and doesn't trust him, goes after him to try and kill him. So they kidnap him. Um, Spider-Man eventually saves the day, and Mary Jane even makes a point at the end how Daniel is now more than ever willing to testify against his brother. Okay, cool. So this is what we know (laughs) about the Kingsley brothers. They do not like each other. Daniel doesn't like criminal activities. Roderick wants Daniel dead. So we cut to big time where there's a guy in a hobgoblin costume who we're assuming is Roderick. He goes to work for the Kingpin... He says to the kingpin, I'm your hobgoblin. Then he goes to one of Norman Osborn's lairs where he does a villainous monologue to himself and uses super strength to rip a, a, like, a steel door, from what I recall, and, like, lifts it up. So he has super strength, a villainous monologue, and he's being trusted to work for the kingpin. He finds Phil Urich, you know, and displays knowledge about the goblin history, like Jason Mackendale. And then Phil Urich kills him by cutting his head off. People freaked out because they thought it was Roderick Kingsley. 
And let me quote Dan Slott, come on, guys, he had a twin brother. And then uh, he even... <laughs> He even tweeted recently that, like, him and Roger Stern were, like, having lunch and laughing at all the fans who thought that it was Roderick, you know, because, come on, guys, he has a twin brother. Um, <laughs> last year, they did that story, which we reviewed on the podcast, where they basically said it was Daniel all along who died. So I said, okay, cool, let's wait for an explanation. We never got it. Um, Dan Slott later said on Twitter, and, and I, I emailed Dan Slott, um, on Facebook uh, before this, and I, you know, and I and I gave a no prize explanation that maybe the Winkler machine brainwashed him, and he um and he gave him the formula or something. I don't know. Like it's this stuff needs to be explained in the book. And Dan Slott said on Twitter that it was an augmented suit and it was the Winkler machine. And I quote, "Come on, guys, it's comics." So here's the deal: uh, we're led to believe that uh, Daniel Kingsley who doesn't want to go anywhere near his brother, and his brother wants to kill him, somehow, Roderick decided that his brother would be the perfect person to represent the Hobgoblin identity for him, and sent him the work for Wilson Fisk. Never mind that Daniel has no martial arts training. Never mind that Daniel is afraid of his own shadow. Winkler machine or no Winkler machine, somehow, Roderick thought that this was the perfect opportunity for him. And again, he's sending him the work for the Kingpin, so if he screws this up, you know, the guy who he doesn't trust at all. It's his reputation that's sullied. Because if there's one thing that we know, it's that Roger Kingsley cares about his reputation and the reputation of his mantle. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's a retcon that doesn't fit and that, aside from Twitter, hasn't been explained. And that's why Daniel Kingsley is my Bertone's bio, because you can't just say, come on, he has a twin brother. It's no. He has a twin brother who hates doing villainous things, who doesn't have super strength, who doesn't want to work with his brother at all. We need more of an explanation than that. I'll give you that. Very good. Very good job. All right. I think that's... Oh no no I'm out. All right, <laughs> All right. Our, our our first one is from New Poster. Oh, hey guys, I got ten questions for everyone. You know, <laughs> Brad, this first one's a paragraph long. Those are the, this one is for God. this one is for everyone but Chris. And <laughs> real real quick recommendations, uh, Bertoni, go ahead. All right. Um, uh, Don lent me, when we were in San Diego, uh, one of his Simpsons DVDs. I think it was season six, right? Yes. And since then, I've been marathoning not only season six, but, like, classic Simpsons. And it kind of goes without saying that, man, didn't that show used to be good? But, dude, rewatch those episodes that you've been watching in the years. That show used to be good. Like, it's uh, a lot better than I thought it was, a lot fresher than I remember, especially since it's been... 10 and in some cases 20 years since I've seen some of these episodes like there's jokes that I'm only now getting it is a really enjoyable show and it's like it's sad what it's become but I'm enjoying that um in inspired by uh all new water bottles the um x-men series I've been rereading some of the classic x-men the stan lee kirby stuff is fun it's hokey the roy thomas stuff not so much um I, I don't know if I'm going to keep on doing this read-through. I'm trying to get farther than I got when I tried it a few years ago. My goal is to get all the way to Claremont. Um, I'm also going to use this space to make a request to Crawl Space listeners. Um, if anybody has tickets to MineCon, the Minecraft convention in Orlando, Florida, in November, contact Brad at Crawl Space. I'm not the Minecraft person, but there's some people at work. Uh, we're trying to get a trip together, and apparently there's been some problems with tickets, and they're being gouged like crazy, so... Hey, if anyone's got a line on tickets or if anyone's going, email uh, Brad at Crawl Space and he'll forward it to me. 
crawlspacemail at gmail.com. Yes. Uh, let's see. Don, recommendation, sir. Um, the Venture Brothers recently had their like incredibly short fifth season. I kind of come and go. And that season itself was all right. But like it's actually been three years since season four, so I went back and like 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 watched my my first two season DVDs and like you know others on Netflix and nefarious means, and I've just I've just gotten fallen really back in that show. It's a really funny show. It's on Adult Swim. It's like a, it's basically like like a riff on. It starts off as a riff on on Johnny Quest and kind of extrapolates like a riff on comics and pop culture and, and old school kind of like you know kind of fun entertainment and it really like sort of like you know almost cynical way. It's really, really funny, though, and it's just, uh, I, I can't get too much into the details, but it's a really, really fun, funny show that, you know, has its own fans and has its own fan base. Uh, I, ne- I always miss their panels at Comic-Con, but I always mean to go. And I would just recommend, if you can find any uh, season or episodes of The Venture Bros, to give it a shot. Um, I've also, like, seen, uh, because of Netflix now, I've had it for over a year or so, I started watching from the beginning Supernatural, which is a show that I watched sporadically when Smallville was on, because it would show up right after Smallville. And I, I, I enjoy it, because I would watch it mainly through college, but I'm watching it like from the beginning. And I'm on season two now. They have at least season, seven seasons on Netflix. But uh, I like it a lot. It's, it's, it's a better show than the network that it's on. And um, I, I know, I know that, like, it just started up uh, a new season, but uh, I, I dig it. I, I implore people who like, like, you know, like a really solid action kind of horror-themed show to check it out. It's pretty fun. Chris, final word, uh, f- uh, recommendations, not final words. I'm thinking final words. Go ahead. Uh, recommendations. The uh, comics that I'm enjoying right now, Wolverine and the X-Men, Hawkeye, New Avengers, um, yeah. the uh, uh, Breaking Bad, the TV show is back. It's so good. Everyone's got to watch that. Um, if you ever get a chance to see the version of Iron Man three that's edited to be viewed on an airplane, you'll you'll get you'll get a great laugh because the scene where people are falling out of the sky is completely cut out, so it just looks like Iron Man blasts that guy in the chest and then just flies out a hole in the airplane that's there for no reason and just leaves the airplane in the air with everybody like in the airplane trapped behind this melted door, and then he like that's then the next thing you see is him just flying to the ground getting hit by a truck for no reason. It's uh, funny. It's great. Wow. Um, uh, but that's all I got. And Jr., what are you watching? What have you seen? What do you like? I have no re- no recommendations this month. Okay, my recommendation, um, like uh, Chris said, Breaking Bad. I'm I'm on the last episode of the first season, and I'm hooked. I like it a lot. There's like seven episodes a season when I'm watching on Netflix. Digging it. it. I imagine it gets progressively better, doesn't it, Chris? Yes. Absolutely, because oh, he's he's just shaved his head and blown up the uh, the the main drug lord. Spoiler, I'm not seeing the show. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's he's becoming a badass, and I imagine he progressively over the years becomes a bigger badass. Oh yeah, is what I'm getting. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that transformation of that character. Uh, the Wolverine, I saw, I liked it quite. Oh a bit. yes, yes, me too. The Wolverine was very good. It was uh, a little. Uh, it wasn't as big or as grand as the X-Men movies have been. It's kind of a, a tighter story, um, but uh, Hugh Jackman just kills it. Uh, hold on. Why was Wolverine having a hard time in the movie with those hand ninjas when the mayor's men could beat them up with no training? <laughs> Did everybody like the Wolverine? Everybody, anybody see it? Yes, I'm it surprised how, how mixed of reviews it's getting. I thought it was a very soft... I mean, the third act's kind of crap but like it's still a really fun movie that i thought captured the spirit of the the claremont miller miniseries yeah yeah 
Uh, final words on this 15th anniversary podcast. Don. What, me? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I am always uh, really uh, tickled pink to uh, be on this show after being such a faithful listener for years. And I'm very happy that people kind of came out and uh, asked us questions. Thank you very much for that. Thank you much no for doubt. having me. Uh, we will see you guys next time. Keep on reading Spider-Man. There you go. Bertone. 15 years. Wow. Uh, time just flies. Uh, thank you, everyone, for calling. You know, just I'm, I'm basically going to do a watered-down version of what Don said. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris. Bye, everyone. It was, you know, these, these shows, uh, the call the callers can be a bit of a test on one's endurance, but this time, people's um, comments and questions were very well thought out, very well planned, and I thought this was, you know, one of the best ones that I have been on or listened to. No, I've been on all of them, and this was the best call-in show we've ever had. So we may, if after Kevin listens to this, he may come back. (laughs) No, no, he had to work today, but... uh, uh, yeah, I agree. The live and callers were, were surprisingly really good this time. They were all prepared, so I'm, I appreciate that. And we'll end with JR. JR, wrap up five hours of a podcast for us. <laughs> Fifteen years of the crawl space. Congratulations. Yeah. I Thank would you. wish you another 15 years. But by then, you'll be in your 50s, and your wife and children will hate you. And that sounds very familiar. So, but, <laughs> but other than that, congratulations, and I uh, have been honored to have been a part of its history for this small handful of time. No, you you are one of the things that makes it work. And I just did the addition, and I'll be 53 years old in 15 years. You think we'll still be doing this show in 15 years? <laughs> Good God. Well, when we were doing it in 2006, I no. think we would be doing it in 2013. So <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. <laughs>